Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Wrong Football Podcast. My name's Dan, I'm here with G, the editor of thewrongfootball.com and we're here to discuss all things American football again this week. Hello! So the first piece of news we're going to look at this week is uh, Bill Lazar has been, well not fired, he's, been, he's parted company with the Dolphins I think is the, uh, the term they're using. Uh, offensive coordinator, he was he was rumoured to kind of be on his way out when, when Philbin went a couple of weeks ago, uh, after week 4 that one was, wasn't it? But he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's finally uh, been given his, his walking papers. Yes, I, my first question was really is as the Dolphins fan uh, in residence how do you feel about this I'm not really sure I, I I can see why they've done it I think there's I think there's quite a big thing to be said on our failure to kind of establish a run game 12 yards we got on Sunday I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail in a second but he's been quite good with Tannehill to him Tannehill he's been kind of Tannehill's main um advocate I suppose so it'll be quite interesting to see what we do in terms of the quarterback position next season and again I suppose that's going to kind of be driven by who we end up getting in as, as, as full-time coach yeah it's a difficult one for me the, the season in Miami is just really really strange you've got so much dysfunction going on just in terms of coach firings new head coach I thought Philbin basically kept his job because of the first year under Phil Lazer and what he'd done with Tannehill who looked so yeah. good last season but they, they failed to establish the run regularly this season, and, but with having a temporary head coach, you just don't know what the commitment is to what style of offence, building a foundation. It's all such a flux, um, and it seems a strange time to do it, given that I would imagine that you're not thinking playoffs at the moment, and no. so why not just wait to the end of the year? And I almost would have thought that maybe he was... a head coach candidate except clearly he wasn't well liked by the um, front office staff or they would have kept him and with the problems that Chip Kelly has been having over at the Eagles and how closely linked those two are in offensive philosophy maybe they're thinking Mm. of going in a new direction well possibly I think that the timing thing is is the thing for me that has been a little bit puzzling like you say we're we're We've got five games. What's it? Five games left. I think after after this game, this season, and it just doesn't kind of make sense to me personally to get rid of of, of, a, of a coach at this stage. I don't know what difference it's going to make in as getting getting a new a new guy in. I don't think it will make any difference. Like you say, we're not heading for the playoffs. I think after after this week and the loss against the Jets, we've we've just established ourselves as a, again another middle of the road team who won't make the playoffs again. So it's, it's puzzling to me, uh, but. I can kind of again. I can see why it, why it's been done. Yeah, I, I don't want to be mean, but you do now share a record with the um, Jacksonville Jaguars, the New Orleans Saints, <laughs> the self said Philadelphia Eagles. Um, middle of the road might be a step up That's right positive. now. Yeah, yeah, and I'm trying and I'm trying not to be mean. It's just I'm wondering with the problems in the secondary whether you need a good couple of drafts to rebuild. I think you might have the quarterback there. Certainly, yeah. he's done some things well, but it's so hard when you don't have a consistent system. I think one of the reasons that is not being talked about with Dalton's improvement this season is, is that it's his second year under Hugh Jackson. He's had a bit of stability, and he's just that much more comfortable with the offense. And you look at what's happening in somewhere like New England, where you build and build, and you might have changes of coordinators, but there's philosophy there in the system, which is very adaptable depending on their opponent. But your quarterback is in full control of the system. And I think it takes a number of years to develop a quarterback. They need to be comfortable in the system and, and develop it within it. And Tannehill is not exactly getting the best chance to do that at the moment. No. 
he's kind of been the the, the driving force for the for the the offense. They've, they've they've obviously they threw a bit of money at him this year in terms of his, his a new contract. Um, I do kind of think that without Bill Lazor being there and being such an advocate for him, he perhaps wouldn't have got as much as he got. He wouldn't have certainly. I don't think would have got the contract that he ended up with. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens when we get a new head coach in. See whether he uh, he keeps his place as well. We we shall have to keep an eye on it. That's it. Well, in as a second piece this week, instead of uh, in the in the lieu of well, in lieu of there being a lot of news going on, um, we're going to have a look at uh, what would happen if the season was to end today. Uh, let's have a look at what the uh, what the, who would go through to the to the postseason. So in the AFC, we'd be looking at the four uh, divisional. Um, Leaders: the Patriots, the Bengals, the Broncos, and the Colts. Uh, and then the wild cards would be the Chiefs and the Texans. And then in the NFC, you have the Panthers, the Cardinals, the Vikings, and Washington Redskins. And then the again the uh, wild card places would be the Packers and the Seahawks. Some interesting names in there. Texans, you'd obviously there. It's only a wild card, uh, but Texans are one that you don't necessarily see. Um, certainly not from the beginning of their season. You wouldn't have thought they'd end up anywhere near the. Uh, the, the, the playoff positions um, and it's anywhere near wild cards there seems to have been a big turnaround in Houston I'm suddenly yeah. feeling somewhat better about our loss to them given that um, it seems to have come off the back of, of the start of a, a good run of performances within the defence um, which we always said had players is suddenly playing well and the offence they're, they're finding something on it and they seem to be coming good at the right part of the season and in a division that is competitive and and they've not been left behind because there's no single dominant team they stand something of a chance you've got Kansas floating around there you think the Steelers you think the Jets I think it's they're all on 6 and 5 I think mm. Oakland are probably too far back. I think it's really going to be between those three, maybe the Bills getting involved, but I'm just not sure that they have quite enough on offense and Rex Ryan keeps getting in the way on defense for them to come through. But um, and the real story is, is can the Patriots get healthy enough yeah. by the end of the season? Because if it was to stop right now, the news, the big news that we sort of skipped over, but I shall fold into this seamlessly like a podcast veteran that I am, <laughs> is that um, the big news is that Gronkowski's nasty-looking knee injury doesn't look to be structural, and so they're hoping to get him back for the playoffs. But if they stop now, the Patriots basically don't have any receivers that catch the ball under than Brandon LaFell, who's hardly been set in the world of light, having come back from his own injury. Where would you see, if it, if it was from those teams, if those were the teams going through to the postseason, what would you call as the Super Bowl? Put you on the spot here. I hate this kind of thing. You know I don't <laughs> like predictive stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that That's later. That's why I'm going to do it. <laughs> I know. Am I allowed to pick the Broncos on the grounds that it feels that I'm British and therefore I don't feel comfortable in, in shouting who day? Um, plus I'm nervous, but... If it was right now, I would say it's between the two teams in orange. I think the Patriots would be there or thereabout. But right now, you've got if you're a Denver or, or a Cincinnati fan, I think you've got to be just hoping that everybody gets fit to the playoffs and, and that's it. And, and on the other side, in the NFC, it's hard to look past the top two teams. The Panthers yeah. are just playing so well. The Cardinals are amazing. Um, either one of those will produce a brilliant Super Bowl. Personally, is here we go. I'm going to put this on the uh, on the line now. I am going to go Bengals Cardinals. The red-headed quarterbacks from Cincinnati Bowl. That's it. It'll be an interesting one. Ah! 
Right, so let's have a look at Week 12's games. Uh, the first game we watched uh, was one of the Thanksgiving games on Thursday night. Um, it was the Panthers uh, against the Cowboys. It was the um, final score was th- uh, the Carolina Panthers 33, Dallas Cowboys 14. Uh, the I know we, we've been talking about these colour rush kits every week now, but I loved the Panthers kit. I must say, I know my my wife picked her team. She's a Bengals fan. She picked her team based on the uh, on the kit. If I was picking picking now based on a kit, oh that Panthers one absolutely would uh, would have would have pulled me in. It's interesting because I didn't think it was that different to the Titans one. I actually quite like the Cowboys all in white. If it wasn't for the um, moral reprehensibleness of their owner and the squad, then you know. Plain, a bit too plain for me. Anyway, the, going back to the uh, looking at the game itself, only fourteen points for the for the, uh, for the Cowboys. Romo didn't look anywhere near as good as he had the previous week against uh, against the Dolphins. Not anywhere near as good. Obviously, he did uh, he did pick up an injury um, late on in the game, but uh, for when he was in, uh, interceptions thrown on the first drive, uh, return for a touchdown. Two of the Panthers' three touchdowns were from from uh, from interceptions. It just didn't look like their day. It didn't. Um, all the weaknesses that have been there when Romo was out and they lost seven straight and all the, the fans going all we need is Romo back if it was just you missing Romo there would have been you know one or two games picked up in that span mm. I think part of the problem for Romo's performance is that he was still a bit rusty and again without trying to be mean about your Dolphins facing that Panthers defense is a lot different proposition. Um, he was picked off twice in successive snaps by uh, uh, Luke Keekley, who is just yeah. an amazing, amazing player. I- I'm sure I've ranted before about watching him on coaching tape, but he's just so aware and so good and looks and drops into coverage seamlessly. He is every bit as good as Ray Lewis was as a linebacker and really worth studying if you get a chance. Uh, That's a big statement. I'm, go- I'm, I'm happy to sit with it. I Genuinely, I think he could get there. He is so, so good. There's a longevity issue, but honestly, he is a really, really good linebacker. Well, that's it. I mean, that's not, it's not to say, obviously, as I said, obviously, Romo was throwing the uh, throwing interceptions was a big part of it. That's not to take anything away at all from the Panthers. Uh, good game for for the Panthers. Newton and Orton teamed it well, as they have all season. Um, Newton didn't throw a touchdown all day, but uh, it was it was... Yeah, it was one of those games where I think uh, I think the Panthers deserved the win. I think one of the major talking points about this is that one of the undersold coaches currently this season is Ron Riviera, who's done an amazing job of taking the players that he's got and maximising their abilities by basing his plans around them. He's not trying to force yeah. them into his system. The defence is playing really well. The offence, bearing in mind going into the season, we all thought that um, they were going to struggle because we weren't sold by the changes they'd made on the offensive line because they hadn't made any. They'd lost their their number one receiver from last year and we were all pointing at the lack of weapons. And mm. between the running game with Newton and James Stewart and... Greg Olsen, and then um, some some good play from the other receivers, actually. They're, they're, they're doing okay, but it's not what you call a fluent passing attack. But they're finding a way. They've really committed to each other. They're grinding sort of quarter by quarter, yet alone game by game. And they really look to be having a lot of fun and are playing really, really well. They are. They're not a team that I think I would have potentially picked at the beginning of the season. As uh, If you'd told me after week 12 they'd be 11-0, and 0, I'd have been... I'd have been very surprised. Uh, I don't, wouldn't have seen it coming. Uh, yeah, no, nobody would be surprised that maybe the um, Patriots were um, 
yeah. had, would have such a good record after um, the ban on Brady was lifted. Um, the Cardinals' signs were there, given how good a season they had last year, when it, despite losing two starting quarterbacks. Mm. Um, but the um, yeah, I don't think anybody was expecting this Carolina team to be this good no well that's being said this week we did both pick the, the uh, Carolina Panthers and we were both right so we both uh, both got a point there one of my few points this week the second game uh, was the uh, St. Louis Rams at uh, Cincinnati Bengals you obviously uh, would have paid uh, particularly close attention to this one G uh, 31-7 win for the Bengals back to winning ways who day baby who day um <laughs> Played well against the Cardinals. I was a little bit worried about Todd Gurley and the defense. What I didn't take into account that the defensive line were um, particularly upset at some of the comments that weren't that out there by the um, young. It was two guards for the St. Louis Rams on their offensive line who one of them made the mistake of saying, um, oh, yeah, we practice against Aaron Donald every day. We're not too worried about them. Um, bearing in mind that these are two guards between them have, I think, one NFL start. And the line had a point to prove. And boy, did they. The defense really, really did well. And then the offense got back to winning ways. Jeremy Hill ran a bit better. It's got an ankle tweak. I don't think it's serious. I'm hoping we'll keep an eye on that one. But there's just so many weapons on that Bengals team. Tyler Eifert got the catch back. Nice to see AJ Green in the end zone a couple of times. And yes, a, a, a nice relaxing watch. I'll say it for, for once for, the, uh, for you as a Bengals fan because I don't think they... Uh... I personally didn't think that the, the the Rams looked like like winning at all. I don't think they they looked like really doing much. Yeah, I mean it's gone downhill fast for them. There was a little mm. spark, but they're working on a very old school format of defense and running the ball. Which, in fairness, the Panthers are sort of running to that template. But the difference is that the Panthers can throw the ball deep, and so it might not be a high volume precision passing game or something that looks like what we've come to expect from a lot of teams in the modern NFL, but they take deep shots, which is what you're meant to do off that kind of um, run first, establish play action and use that to get yardage. And the Rams just haven't been able to do with it. Tavon Austin's an absolute nightmare. Um, their one touchdown came off the back of a 60-yard run by him, which yeah. if reading on the Bengals' website, they talk about the fact that um, it was Will Clark who was in, who's a young player, and... He just tried to slant to make the tackle, got it wrong. He got round him and was away. just went, yeah. just away. And the defensive line were coming back and talking about the fact that you know they, they fixed it. They, they made sure everybody knew what the read was. And later on in that game, I believe it was Carlos Dunlap, but I could be getting my Bengals linemen mixed up, <laughs> when this basically a very similar play, different formation, but same action to get Austin sort of coming around the formation. And he basically blocked his line, the guy in front of him anyway, back into the player to make sure they had contained and they just got him. So Taven Austin is is such a weapon that they could really build a, an offence around him if they had a bit more imagination in the offensive play calling. Yeah, it was a good game. Uh, we both picked the Bengals again, uh, both correct, which was uh, which was good. Uh, at the not so good though uh, was the the next game, uh, the Miami Dolphins at the New York Jets. Twenty points to thirty eight, the Dolphins lost, and um, scarily similar game to the Wembley game um, earlier this season in Week Four. Uh, we we were particularly poor. We started the game in some really really good field position uh, on a number of occasions but really could not take advantage of it at all and I, I, I can't really say anything other than we, we well we just didn't deserve it we didn't deserve a win 12 yards of rushing in that whole game I, I don't think I've ever seen a team with as little as 12 yards rushing 
in a game. I, I just, I, it was uncomfortable watching. I can imagine. I do have a few questions for you because obviously the Jets have been struggling um, in past defence a few weeks, and mm. I believe that Revis didn't make it out of concussion protocol in time. And no. I didn't know if if the attempt to throw was trying to exploit something, if it was just a matter of game flow and you were behind and trying to catch up. It, it, it's weird because there's been some talk of Dan Campbell trying to focus on the run, but the statistics don't back it up. But apart from Lamar Woodley, Jay Ajayi's look, when he's had the chance now, he's come back from that injury. He's, he's the, I'm not sure about his shiftiness, but between the tackles going downhill, I really like what I've seen of him as a runner so far. Lots of kind of yards after contact as well. He's very good at, at, at getting past defenders and, and, and making, a, making a few extra yards. He's really good at that. Yeah, that's the thing. He's not one of those backs that when he's hit, hit that's it, they go that's, down. Yeah, he, you it. know, he gets hit. You know, he he makes the defender really have to work to bring him down. Mm. Well, that's that's it. And I think one of the other things that, that I think really really hurt us was was the the loss of our centre, Pansy early well, early ish in the game. I can't remember the name of the guy who replaced him. Was just uh, he's, he's obviously not a natural centre. But it was just bad snap after bad snap after bad snap. And I think that was potentially part of the reason for not potentially going for the run so much because they couldn't cleanly get it into the hands of of the of the running back. I, I don't know. It was just not not nice to watch. And I just think we, we, we it's a position we certainly need to strengthen in going forward if we're gonna have such issues again. I think right at the start of the season, in fact, even before the season, talking to me in the off-season of the draft, and I was worried about your um, what was going on in the draft and yeah. the fact that your team didn't seem to like guards. And given your O-line play last year, mm. I, I was thinking that you possibly need you you needed some. Yeah, it just it just wasn't going anywhere for us. We could we, the Dolphins just could not. Um, make any, get anything going again not to take anything away from the Jets Jets looked very good um, Jets looked I've seen the Jets a few times this season and they looked probably as good as I think they've, they've I've seen them look all season again they've got a, got a fair old bit going on the run but also Ryan Fitzpatrick was, was very good very calm and he's and he shaved his beard, so he didn't look quite as silly anymore either. I was always kind of fond of the beard. He kind <laughs> of looked, you know, sort of like the the, the strange old man of the NFL. He was. Um, he's always been a slightly streaky player, but there's a basis. But if you look at the football outsiders rankings, they're really quite high up. They with their two receivers and Chris Johnson running the ball. It's just been. You know they've done quite well. They've had some injuries and nick up some problems, but mm. it's it's been a surprisingly effective combination. Yeah, and my friend uh, who is one of uh, somebody I know through work came in especially today just to rub it in because he's a Jets fan and I'm a Dolphins fan. So uh, yeah, that was nice of him. Typical Jets fan move. Oh, I know that's it. That's it. It's all right. They're going to lose at the uh, the Giants this weekend. I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, you pick the uh, you pick the Jets for this one. I pick the Dolphins as I always do, and uh, as as per usual, you were correct. Um, <laughs> the uh, last game, final game, uh, was the the game with the coldest looking referee I have ever seen. Um, New England Patriots twenty four, Denver Broncos thirty. Uh, it was the late game on Sunday. Uh, the first loss for the Patriots, uh, but it did take overtime to uh, to get it for the Broncos. 
Yeah, it was a strange line, which is why I picked it, just because we already knew there were a lot of injuries on the road in Denver, and I'm thinking, that defense, and I'm getting that many points? Some of the refereeing in this game is a little bit interesting, to say the least. Because they were so cold. Yeah, in fairness (laughs) to to the coldest referee you've ever seen, some of these are not exactly young men. And if, you know, being out in in the snow at that altitude, I'm not, you know, I'm not surprised he was wrapped up warm. Mm. There was a time early on where you thought this was just going to be another Patriots roll over job. Yeah, Yeah, start of the ball, you know, defense was playing well. The offense was, if not rolling, then doing enough and going along. And then the Broncos defense got themselves back in it. Mm. The offense did enough. It's it's much like I was looking at with the coaching tape in that you have Osweiler under centre. That opens up the, the running games is to work slightly better with the two tight end sets and coming forward like that. It opens up the play action. Osweiler can do the rollouts that um, Kubiak looks. It just looks more like his offence. Mm. And I don't think that Osweiler is, is like that top level candidate and might not even look to get there. But he looks a solid, solid option. And, yeah. and in in a league where quarterbacks get paid huge amounts of money, but if you have somebody who can do the job and you can spend that rest of that money in broadening the rest of your team, you know, if the Ravens won the Super Bowl with defense, it is possible, and that defense is good. Yeah, I mean, it was, I thought the Patriots were, were going were gonna to wipe the floor with it. One play into the fourth quarter, the Patriots were 21-7 up. I didn't see them coming back at all. Broncos didn't lead until there was a minute and ten seconds left in the game. But... When they did start uh, start getting there, pulling their socks up and getting some uh, getting some going in that final quarter, they looked very good. Yeah, CJ Anderson, 113 yards off 15 carries. The, the touchdown that sealed it in overtime is the same formation, just reversed to the one that he had the long touchdown in, in during the game, mm. and to the point where Vernon Davis was making the same rollout and block. It was. Yeah, it, it was a really good game. It was a really fun game. We've had a whole series of them. There were a couple of others that we might get to mention in the next bit that were yeah. a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it was it was that defense is is not to be messed with. Even if I I think it's important to protect defensive players. The concussion issues is a thing um, that does lead to these worrying leg tackles. And I thought Brady was very sort of gracious almost in, in the after game game press conference sort of being at pains to say it wasn't a dirty play it's just there's no other way to bring Gronkowski down because yeah. what do you do if you hit him up high he's just going to bounce you off but that sort of led to the knee injury suddenly the Patriots run out of um, players but also you have nonsense like um, the um, I can't remember the exact penalty they gave on Von Miller when he was just making sure that Manning was down and it was like you're charging a quarterback you're a large man moving very fast Mm. You know, it's not like he hit him, hit him. You know, he was just the next one on top making sure. And we'll get on to refereeing at some point because it's a discussion with everywhere. There seems to be a, a high number of questionable calls. Uh, Gronkowski seems to be a specialist in, in running into an opposition player uh, and and with the barest movement of his arms getting given offensive pass interference. I don't know if that's just we have to stop him somehow. But... Um, there's an awful lot of weirdness going on with that, but it was it still managed to be an entertaining game. I think the refereeing is something for uh, for next week. I think we'll have a uh, we'll have a look at some of the refereeing decisions this season because, like you say, there've been there's been a bit uh, some some questionable decisions so far. 
Um, this was another one that you you picked up a uh, game on on me on the picks. You had the uh, the Broncos down. I had the Patriots. Uh, so you uh, you got the point there. This week after the uh, the picks, then you are at ninety one and I am at eighty four. I was really really hurt by some of the uh, the changes that I made right at the last minute. Literally fight about five to six. Yes, I, I, and it was a text exchange because because the column was already up, and so I, <laughs> yeah. you know, I was making changes on the fly. Going, that's fine. The games haven't started, even if you are coming in line with me. And then all of a sudden, that was that was a coincidence. I promise, I hadn't seen them yet. I feel the need to explain the reading. reading Reading, reading from the last, uh, the end of the last uh, podcast. As we were uh, saying goodbye, you, uh, you, you, you said that uh, to me. Um, it might come as a surprise to you, uh, listener, that uh, this next part, the roundup of the rest of the week, is is scripted. I do write this uh, in, in advance, believe it or not. Um, and all the while, while I'm reading it, I've got G in my headphones going reading, reading. That's not entirely fair. It's generally to lighten the mood when you're stumbling over a particular section. And it is interesting that you can usually spot those sections having with a quick glance of going, really? You've given yourself that to say? Um, mm. I, we've had one or two last-minute edits. But, you know, uh, it's generally a supportive, light-hearted thing rather than true, true barracking. Although it could be if you wanted. I'd rather it wasn't. <laughs> right, let's see how we get on then. The Lions continued their unlikely season comeback on Thanksgiving Thursday. Their 45 points 14 victory over the Philadelphia Eagles in Detroit makes it three in a row, but they're still bottom of the NFC North. The Packers, on the other hand, were unable to capitalise on their own win last week. Uh, this time they lost to their divisional rivals, the Chicago Bears, in a close game which finished 17 points to 13. Houston are now joint top of the AFC South after a convincing victory over the New Orleans Saints. The final score was 24-6 to the Texans. The Falcons made it four losses in a row against an increasingly strong Minnesota Vikings team. Teddy Bridgewater led his team to a 20 points to 10 victory uh, and moves them a game clear of the Packers at the top of the NFC North. In a further display of nobody wanting to win the NFC East, the Washington Redskins beat the New York Giants by 20 points to 14 despite an absolutely incredible one-handed catch in the end zone. More on that in a minute. Uh, Matt Hasselbeck took the reins in, uh, for the Indianapolis Colts uh, and led them to another victory, this time against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Final score was 25 points to 12. The Bills failed to keep up the pressure on the Jets uh, for one of the wildcard slots and lost for the second week in a row. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs beat Buffalo by 30 points to 22. In Tennessee, the Titans seem to be making a play uh, for the first pick of the 2016 draft with another loss. Uh, this week was the Oakland Raiders beating them, the final score 24-21. Uh, the Chargers, on the other hand, were able to pick up their first win since week four. San Diego's victory came at the hands of Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, where they won by 31 points to 25. The Arizona Cardinals, on the second longest winning streak in the league, uh, extended it again this week. Uh, their win over the 49ers in San Francisco by 19 points to 13 takes them to 9-2 and two for the season. In a replay of 2005 season's Super Bowl, the Seahawks reversed their fortunes by beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. This one was a much more high-scoring affair, though. Seattle won by 39 points to 30. And on Monday night, the longest losing streak of the season continued, but the Browns will feel unlucky in their loss to the Ravens in Cleveland. A last-second field goal block... Uh, was returned for the winning touchdown and the final score, Baltimore 33, Cleveland 27. So uh, some of the, the moments of the week that we haven't uh, talked about, that one I, I just mentioned a second ago, the amazing diving one-handed catch from Odell Beckham 
against Washington. Um, he's he's all over the ENF, NFL.com and their their Twitter and their Facebook at the best of times. But this week with that one-handed catch, that was incredible. It it really really was. I mean, there are many many good um, receivers in the NFL. Um, there are quite a few that you would consider better than him. But in mm. terms of just spectacular circus catches, yeah. he does seem to lead the league. I say he's the name that everybody knows because of those catches. Yeah, Phil Goblock uh, from the Ravens um, returned for a touchdown to, to win their game of the Browns. How disappointed are the Browns going to feel with that last last second? There was no time on the clock. There goes your game. It's the most brownsy of brown <laughs> losses. They 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 set up to kick a field goal to win the game. Not only do they, does that field goal get blocked, but they give up a return touchdown in the process. Mm. Uh, they lose their. I'm not sure how to describe the quarterback situation in Cleveland other than just an utter mess. Yeah, but horrendous. they managed to lose their new starter that was the original starter that. You know, and he's gone for the season with with um, a fracture. fracture and collarbone. you yeah. think they're going to get an early early draft pick, and then you just don't trust that team to use it wisely. Bad to worse, isn't it? Anything else caught your eye this week? Yes, a couple of things. I'm going rogue, but I promise not to um, be too um, long-winded. The is ready. Excellent, because um, I watched <laughs> the, um, all the Thanksgiving games, and I watched the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Seahawks. Great range, you should really, really watch it. Also, possibly a contender for worst fake punt of the season. Bearing in mind what the Colts did with their open gate nonsense, oh, you would find that... You would think that was hard to believe, but for some reason, the Steelers, having early decided that they that they weren't going to kick a field goal, tried kicking field goal punt with their backup linebacker throwing to a lineman, but almost the worst thing was it, they didn't even do it out of formation. So they lined up in a punt formation, then obviously audibled into a passing situation, allowed the Seahawks to adjust, and didn't just abort. I, it was just horrendous coaching. Oh, I'll give that a watch. There are... Other, a, a couple of other points I wanted to make that they're slipping from my memory. However, if, if you get a chance, um, the game was um, competitive and I wasn't expecting the Bears to win, but um, there's quite a nice little um, video of um, a nice historical thing in that Brett Favre sort of came home to Green Bay on Thanksgiving. Okay, his team lost, but um, there's a nice moment when he's presented and um, meets with Bart Starr and it, it was just you know a nice moment for the historians of us who remember him what a great player he was in his pomp, what a good team that was. Absolutely and fantastic. Yeah, it yeah. was awesome. He retired his jersey, so uh, it's a nice little uh, thing for him. Very much so. It's a That's been a quiet week on the blog again this week. Um, G's been a busy man, or not very well man, I don't think. Um, but let's have a look at uh, what, you've been, what you've been looking at this week. Um, so last week during the podcast, we also picked out something for you to have a look at uh, on the coaching tape. You're going to look at the uh, difference between Peyton Manning's Broncos offense and Brock Osweiler's uh, Broncos offense. Uh, what, what did you think? I covered some of it um, in terms of what it's been looking like um, now yeah. in the cover of the Broncos Patriots game. It's very much looking like a Kubiak offense that we're used to seeing, which is why it was interesting. Um, but they managed to get the win. Just that um, the story before the game is obviously um, the discussion of the fact that Bill Belichick is very good at confusing rookie um, quarterbacks with strange looks. And whilst they didn't have a lot of film on Osweiler, yeah. they knew what was coming because they have a lot of film on the Kubiak system. And there was always that uneasy thing they were probably having with Peyton Manning in that he's not mobile, so struggles with their rollouts and those stretch handoff plays. And they'd sort of come to some kind of balance with it with the um, adopting the pistol and and 
using that to try and run some of the same concepts. But it, it, the, the offense just f seems to flow better with Osweiler. And the big problem, I had a great discussion about it, which was that it's not so much that Peyton Manning is making bad decisions because he's forgotten what it is to be a quarterback, but yeah. it's more his body's betraying him. So he sees the window and he's basically all those years of playing quarterback, he throws that ball and he can't yeah. quite get it there. It's like we said earlier in the season, isn't it, where the uh, where the where the quarterback's got that window where it where they're slowing down and they're, they're mentally they they know what they want to do, but actually they just they just can't quite do it. I mean, he is one of those quarterbacks that is when they, they often talk about senior players being uh, um, like a coach on the field, and mm. he, he has been like the sort of cerebral quarterback for years now. And yeah, he's not as physically gifted as some, and it's just really breaking down. And to hear him talk about going another season, mm. I think it's time. I really do. But yeah. equally. Who are we to say to walk away? The problem is that in the NFL, there's not a division to drop down. You see great players who still love playing drop down divisions in football over here because you've got four tiers of football. And, yeah. you know, you can even go and play, um, you know, in some of the semi-pro leagues and, and, and the smaller leagues abroad if you want to. But with the NFL... There's two aspects to it. One is just it's physically dangerous. I mean, I mean, I'm 36 now, and the idea of you know letting a 25 year old man of 250 pounds and six foot five run into me as fast as he can yeah. is kind of terrifying. Yeah. The guy's 39, four neck surgeries. I mean, he's a braver man than I, and you get that. The media loves to not build people up and knock people down. And that's something I want to look at this week a little bit in just that. Um, I want to look at what I've learned going through the blog just because I've had a bad couple of weeks um, in terms of both timing and organisational but just a couple of migraines and some illness and stuff and the plain fact of the matter is I'm tired these guys are tired this is an incredibly physically demanding thing and there's an internal tension in what we do I'm counting us in the media now Dan um, but what we do in terms of there's this internal dynamic if you want to be right and you want to be accurate but you also want to be heard and to get heard you have to have either be very good or have outlandish opinions and in the modern age with Twitter and these quick snap judgments and some of the people they have on these programs it's all about the, the hyperbole sometimes and the this and that because the subtleties and the nuance and the fact that these games are really unpredictable because these players are really good and these games are decided by really fine margins is a much more complex thing to sell than, wow, did you see that one-handed catch by Odell Beckham, which is why that is all over um, the NFL's video pages and their highlights packages rather than an in-depth look at the structural differences in the Peyton Manning offense yeah. versus the Kubiak offense run with Osweiler and the hybrid that Kubiak was running with Manning earlier this season. So really, really quickly, what have you got? What have you got? plan to look at this week uh, like I said so I'm going to be doing some of the stuff I've learned and then I really need to make a decision on I'd like to look at something kind of structural or player wise yeah. um, might be interesting to look at the Texans defence just because yeah. they're playing really well at the moment um, and open to suggestions I think that's a, that's a good one to look at the uh, the, the, the Texans defence I don't think that's a uh, bad thing to look at at all um, so yeah we'll uh, we'll call it that I'm, I'm just cheating I want to look at Sir JJ of what whilst he's playing really well uh, okay well uh, for all that and much more make sure you check out the blog this week at thewrongfootball.com are you ready for some football okay so let's have a look ahead to week 13 and make our picks uh, for the week so the Thursday night game uh, first game this week is the uh, Packers at the Lions uh, with a three and a half points head start for the Lions uh, it's, I, I, I know they're uh, they're, they're 
not doing as well as they did the early part of the season, but I still think the Packers are going to uh, going to do this one. But are they going to do it by um, a clear four points? Yeah, That's I think they will. Question. I think they will. I'm not sure I trust them. I mean, this might be just because I got bitten by them last week, but they just got beaten by the Bears at home. Now they're going mm. to Detroit, who are playing well. There are problems with that offense that we thought were solved in Vikings, but I don't sure that we can trust them. That's a big swing from from a minus three default home advantage to a plus three and a half to the Lions. I'm I'm not so sure. Mm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna panic I might on that one. still panic and go Packers. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. You've got a few days yet. Um, I know I said earlier that uh, the Giants were probably going to beat the uh, the Jets this weekend, but I actually don't think they will. Um, I'm uh, Jets versus Giants, uh, one and a half point lead for the Giants. I, I think the Jets are still going to do this one. Yeah, I, I made the mistake of thinking that the Giants were like the most consistent of the NFC, NFC East, which you know is just not true. No, nobody is. No, I think the Jets stand a very good chance. They really do. Actually, I'm really interested to see this game. This might be one that I have to have to have to look at just yeah. because. I'm not feeling that I have a great handle on what's going on with the Jets at the moment. And the Giants, I thought I did, and then they laid an egg last week. We shall see. Cardinals at Rams, what are we thinking there? Cardinals. Yeah, of course. With with that line and that um, Cardinals defence, and then although the Rams defence has a lot of big-name players and some of them are playing very well, as a cohesive unit, it's not quite as good as you expect. And... um, they struggled against the um, Bengals, and that sort of deep passing game of the um, Cardinals. Yeah, I, I, I think even away. We should point out that the Rams get five and a half points on that one. We still, we, we still think that uh, Cardinals are going to win. Yeah, unless I change my mind again. Um, Falcons at Buccaneers, uh, two and a half point uh, is taken off the books. I'm, I'm really not sure about this one. I am flummoxed as well, just I, because... I, my head's now saying Falcons for now, I think. But <sighs> even... I, I Put it this way, on my notes here, I haven't written down what I think I'm going to go for. Um, I just don't know who you trust in this one. Because mm. the Buccaneers, you're just thinking, oh, they've got this win streak, Winston's looking good, defence is coming together they lose. The Falcons, four-game losing stretch, they, they seem to be falling over themselves. They seem to have stopped throwing to Julio Jones all the time, mm. which given that that is the most effective thing you do, particularly having lost Devonta Freeman in the last game at any rate, um, yeah, it's very hard to trust them. Uh, yeah, I don't want to pick this game. Uh, this one for me was a lot easier, I think. Uh, Seahawks-Vikings I think this is going to be a Vikings win. I think you might be right, but don't discount those Seahawks. The defense still has some problems, but you know it's still the Legion of Boom, and that offense is working a bit. Um, Graham is a bit a big loss. Yeah, the score is only point five, so it's basically a pick'em. It's it's uh, my instinct is to um, pick Vikings unless Vikings fans believe in the G curse and wish me <laughs> to pick the Seahawks because I love Mike Zimmer, but every time I've picked him, they've lost. It's going to be the Vikings, don't worry. Okay. Oh, which, yeah, yeah. so I should be trying to t- tell you to go for the Seahawks. Um, <laughs> 49ers at Bears. Um, quite a big um, swing on this one. Six and a half points taken off the Bears. Uh, they're at home. I still think they they probably have are going to have enough to... to overcome the 49ers I think they'll win I'm just not sure it's really weird with the 49ers they'll, they'll play one week and there'll be a little bit of something here and there and they'll keep a tight, tight you know a game relatively close like we did against the Cardinals and then they'll get blown out mm. um, on the road across the east coast of the Bears 
at bat the Bears, but I just think they're going to win a tight one rather than by seven points. Next game, uh, Jaguars at Titans. Uh, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think this one will be a Jaguars win. Two and a half points given to the Jaguars. Yeah, I mean, we just watched them beat them on Thursday night football a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Um, thankfully, no horrendous kind of rush kits this time. <laughs> but um, there's just, I think the difference between Mariota and Winston uh, is the weapons. And the same with Bortles. You know, Bortles has those great receivers. Um, the Titans, the next thing they need to do is get some, some options for Mariota to throw the ball to. Yeah. Uh, Texans-Bills is another one that I've changed my mind uh, a couple of times. Uh, for now, I am sitting with the Texans, I think. I think so, too. The way that defence is playing. I, I, I mean, once I've looked at the coaching tape, I might change my mind a little bit. But... Um, you just, just, I just don't trust that um, Bills team. Um, I, as always, will be going for the Dolphins this week uh, against the Ravens. Um, Ravens give them four and a half points. Uh, I'm going to go with the Dolphins, but I'm worried about it. I think this is one that you're going to pick up. I'm going to think I'm going to pick the Ravens based on the yeah. points. I think this is a very winnable game for you guys. I think it's just, and I think there's every chance they will win it. But the Ravens have specialised in close agonising losses this season. They've not mm. been blown out by anybody, and I've seen nothing in the Dolphins in recent weeks that thinks that they're going to run away with this game. They may well win it, but I don't. I, I see it being a field goal either way because that seems to be what the Ravens do most of the time, despite the, the amount of horrendous losses that they've had. How about your team, Bengals at Browns? Six and a half points uh, given to the Browns. It's got to be the Bengals, isn't it? This is the easiest pick of the week for me. I'm hopeful, and we gave them a good shellacking earlier in the season. Um, it's away from home, but the the Browns are just in such disarray, and you can run the ball against them. And the, the Bengals can run the ball, so yeah. Uh, Chiefs Raiders, uh, two and a half points given to the Raiders. Um, I think I'm going Chiefs. Um, one of the extra points I should have made and, and will make now is that I love the Chiefs how <laughs> good are they right now but just in terms of the defence has come round the offence is playing Sonny Alex Smith's throwing the ball down the field uh, yeah. yeah I'm backing the Chiefs in this one and I think they really might despite the disastrous done run into the playoffs Mm-hmm. Um, start of the season was rough but they seem to have found something and, and yeah I think they'll win this one I think you're right Broncos at Chargers four and a half points for the Chargers not enough for me Still, I think the Broncos are going to have this one the Chargers don't have a home field advantage particularly this season right. it was almost an anomaly the, the, the win this week for them in, in that Phil Rivers is a, is a really good quarterback surrounded by dreadful levels of talent and I think that Broncos defence is terrifying and yeah I think they'll win that one I'm going to go controversial with the next game I'm picking the Eagles at the Patriots um, nine and a half points is, is the, uh, the the spread on this one so Eagles given nine and a half point head start I don't think with all the injury worries that they have got I don't think the Patriots have necessarily got uh, enough to, to overcome that this is the thing we know these lines are designed to get action 50-50 either side from the betting public stroke professionals yeah this line is a, is a very well placed line because here's the thing you're absolutely right in all of that but I don't trust this Eagles team at all I think they're just bad I think that um I don't want to say that Chip Kelly is a bad coach but I'm prepared to say he's a bad GM Mm. Uh, just in case of the, the talent turnover he did in the, in, in, in the off-season. And it's become a bit of a cliche. I'm really not sure because they just lost Gronk. But 
I'm just thinking that I have more faith that Belichick will find the way. It's a straight pick of win on backing the Patriots. At that point total, I think I'm coming in with you on the Eagles, but I'm not happy about it. Panthers Saints, I think the Panthers are going to make it 12. I think so. Um, you see nothing in the Saints defence that makes no. me think that they're going to stop them. And Drew Brees couldn't even get a touchdown last week. So, yeah. Uh, Colts at Steelers. Uh, six and a half points given to the Colts. I'm basically just giving a touchdown. Uh, I oh, again this is another one I'm not sure on um, but I think I think for now I'm going Steelers I have no feel for these teams the Steelers I have a lot of respect for but just can't seem to predict when and where they are and aren't going to do it and the Colts I keep waiting for the wheels to fall off um, in terms of for ages I was one of those people who was saying saying look at the terrible job that Grigson's done you know he's picked Andrew Luck how hard was that with the number one pick and then they've not surrounded them with enough talent and then in has come Hasselbank and run the team really well and they keep winning games but yeah he's played really well at quarterback and um, I think they might cover if not win this one uh, Cowboys at Redskins uh, I think Washington are going to do this one um They've been, I believe, a surprisingly good home team this season. And the Cowboys have lost every game that they've not had Tony Romo and looked rubbish. And I'm just looking through it, and all five of their wins have come at home. So, yeah, I think the Washington um, team will win. Brilliant. Well, we'll see what happens, see if I can pick up some more. It doesn't sound like I'm going to pick any more up, because it sounds like we're going for the same team for most of the games. But, uh, yeah, let's see what happens. I felt that one way up here. Well, that's it for episode seven of the Wrong Football Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening. And we'll be back next week with episode eight, looking back at all of week 13's games and ahead to week 14. In the meantime, remember to subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Wrong Football. Uh, get involved in a bit of banter on the TWF Facebook page. Check out the blog, wrongfootball.com, all the usual stuff. Uh, if there's anything you want us to discuss next week, drop us an email, twfpodcast at outlook.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Hey, Jimmy, 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 Floyd Hasselbeck.